Hello everyone, I'm Matthew Delvedova and this is The Delhi Podcast. The show features people I find interesting in the world of sports and entertainment, health and fitness, business and startups. We'll discuss a wide range of topics including things like self-improvement and growth, personal journeys, pivotal career moments and much more. Thanks for coming along for the ride. Remember, if you enjoy this content, be sure to subscribe to the Daily Podcast on Apple or wherever else you listen to your podcast. All right, let's get started. All right, good day, everyone. Uh, Daily here. Uh, lucky enough to be talking today with uh, Mitchell Young, the current GM of Logan Basketball, and uh, my best mate. We played together at St. Mary's for four years, uh, three years at the AIS. Um, I'm going to talk to him today about his journey and uh, how it's come full circle. Thanks for joining, Youngie. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, flattered to be the, the first guest on the, the podcast. So it should be really cool, a lot to talk about and some, uh, some really good stories that a lot of people want to hear. <laughs> Hopefully not too many stories. We'll, we'll yeah. save a couple for another time. But um, let, let's start where, where you began playing basketball. Uh, talk about... Where, when and where you first started playing? So I started playing in the, the building that I'm actually sitting in at the moment. Um, so the Canoobie Park Sports Centre, uh, Logan Basketball, home of Logan Basketball. I was uh, 12 years old, which is uh, probably a late starter, some would say. Uh, my mum played down here ladies' daytime. Um, and yeah, she... She brought me down. I was shooting around on the on the side hoops, and then uh, yeah, just came down and and, and started playing uh, mini ball on the eight foot rings down here. Now it's called uh, Thunderball. Um, I came down the first time I actually played. I was uh, able to dunk on the eight foot ring, so I played one game, and then they uh, they moved me up to the to the big court, and yeah, so it's loved uh, it ever since. And uh, yeah, it's well, my mum. I can thank who introduced me to the game. So yeah. No, that's awesome. And then, so you're a quick starter. Like, when did you uh, start to develop, I guess, a passion for it and, and wanting to get better and, and continue and see where basketball could take you? Uh, so, I mean, I, I always, uh, I'd say I loved it from the start. I wasn't uh, that good at the start. Uh, I was always kind of tall and, and lanky and, and uncoordinated. Um, and I probably didn't really get the the fire and the the real drive to to realize that I could take it somewhere until uh, under sixteens when like I probably made my first state team and got into some of those uh, basketball queens and development programs and was exposed to more of the elite level um, and then realized hey I can like take this game pretty far and get some pretty cool experiences out of it and. Um, yeah, from from then on, when when I made my first state team and was exposed to the the kind of level, and uh, yeah, just been been more uh, in love with it and and had the stronger passion and, and and that kind of drove it from there. I think. Yeah, how how does the basketball pathway work in in Queensland? Because I know it's different state to state. So it's it's changed uh, a little bit now. It used to be. Um, so from under 14s, you would get picked into uh, sort of an intensive training program with the other high potential athletes from from Queensland, and you would train and then make your state team and and remain in this. Uh, I think it was called the ITC program at the time. 
it'd be two sessions a week with some weights included and you'd get a program and you'd train with older athletes and they would really push you when it was, yeah, a really good program that aligned with the, the state program. And they have a similar thing now called the uh, SPP, the state performance program, which which does the same thing for the athletes that are in the state teams. And it, it yeah, it exposes the, the young players with high potential to the, the elite level and, and what's required if they want to take it somewhere and, and, and boost them on that platform to start their journey. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And then how, how was that experience at, at your first uh, state team going to a nationals? Like what, what was your, I guess, mindset and thinking going into the lead up first time playing against kids all around Australia? It was awesome. I mean, I didn't, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't make uh, under-16s bottom age. So I made it, made it top age and I think we had two guys on the team that made a bottom age, Brennan Tease and Christian Salsic. So they'd been through it before. They knew what it was about. Um, growing up in Queensland, you, you have this uh, state of origin pride of representing Queensland and, and taking pride in, in beating New South Wales and playing against uh, all the other states. And uh, I mean, you go to you go to nationals and you don't know what to expect. You don't know any players in your age group. It's under sixteen. It's the first time you've you've seen all these guys. Um, it's it's a different level and a a different ball game. And it's really cool because it's the start for a lot of guys of, of when you meet these players and then you go on the the journey together. Um, and yeah, we had a really good team. And that was our age group for Queensland was really strong and. Um, lifelong friends with a lot of those guys and that was the first time we played together and um we had a lot really talented team and unfortunately we uh we uh got we got the bronze medal which was good but we we probably should have won it so we were uh that kind of lit the fire for uh our, our state team going forward after that so and we'll we'll get to that a little bit later i know we uh big country played against you guys twice that year uh, twice yeah. right or once yeah. and you guys in the pool play once in pool play yeah yeah killed us by about 30 i think <laughs> yeah unfortunately we uh lost a bit net in the semi but yeah we uh that was fun yeah and then from there um that was your first um i guess selection or uh talent identification to go to a um, at Oz camp at the Institute of Sport in Canberra? Yeah, so from that, they, I think they picked about 14 athletes to go to a January camp and it was like the Australian development camp. And again, like the, the guys that uh, were the standouts at Nationals got to go and you started to form these relationships with these really good players from, from around Australia and, and, and go to this camp. And um, it's another level again, like you, you train for, I don't know if it was three or four days and like three sessions a day, two hour sessions, just absolute bear on the body and, and in terms of intensity and like it just really exposes you to, to what it takes to get to that national level. And you train side by side on the courts with like under 17s and then under 19s or on the other court and, and you see like Paddy Mills and those guys running around on the court over there and you're like, this is what it's about, you know, like it's, it's a taste of it and it just lights that fire to, to, yeah, keep going on that path. So, And then uh, I think from one of those camps, it was uh, the selection for the Oceania Championships and that, that was your first time representing Australia, right? How, how was that 
feeling. It was bloody, it was bloody awesome. And then hear the yeah. anthem and, and pull on the green and gold for the first time. Just insane. Yeah, I mean, absolute dream. You always re- dream of representing your country and, and that was the first time to do it. And, and that Oceania tournament, it wasn't a great tournament in terms of the teams that you played. Um, New Zealand were the other strong team. A lot of the other island nations uh, weren't as strong. And there was... Um, we won a lot of games pretty convincingly, but yeah, just the, the ability to pull on the, the green and gold and, and play with those guys and the, the start of the junior international journey with, with that team. And it was, uh, yeah, like awesome, awesome. And you were uh, obviously unlucky to just miss out on that team with the, the hammy injury at the, yeah. Yeah, no, nah, that, uh, that was a tough one to uh, swallow missing out on that team because, um, yeah, like made the team, got injured, and um, you know you don't know if you're going to get another opportunity to do it again. So yeah, um, that that was tough. But I think it was maybe a month or two after that, um, I got the call from from Marty Clark to to go up to the Institute of Sport, talk about like that feeling when Marty called you to to offer a AIS scholarship and and what was going through your head at the time. I was, uh, yeah, I mean, bloody stoked, nervous. Um, so from the Australian camps that we talked about, like you go down to the AIS, you live in the dorm, you train, you experience, you see what it's like. And back then, I think the AIS, it was like known around the country in circles. It was like, that's where the guys are. It's Paddy Mills, that's um, like Bogue, Newley, all the guys that have come through there. That was the the program. Once you got there, you were kind of flagged as like the the next kind of crop, and um, everybody wanted to get there. Um, when when Marty called me, I remember that speaking to him on the phone, just being like, "This is like epic. This is real. Like I'm I'm going to go down there and get to train every day and and live with uh, this awesome group group of guys that I've known since sixteens and, and train with in these camps and like, you keep in touch with these guys away from the camps and, and nationals, as you know, like everyone." Is super competitive and the banter we didn't really have social media and it wasn't as easy to communicate back then but you keep in touch and just the excitement of getting to to go and, and live with these guys and you think how good how good a player am i going to be if i'm playing against these guys every single day and, and playing against these other guys and and yeah it's just such it, such a good program marty's an unbelievable coach um he is probably the most significant coach in terms of effect on, on my career and my journey and everything that I learned from him at such a pivotal age and such an age where you build so many of these habits and, and have uh, kind of defined the, the player that you're going to be and, and how you're going to be. And yeah, love Marty. He's an incredible coach. And that's, yeah, the AOS is the reason that I got to kind of go on and, and have the experience that I had. Um, and obviously, we, we still keep in touch with Marty. And um, is that what, what you kind of feel as well about the AIS? Like, your, what yeah. you learned, what you built there, it just ingrained you for the future, kind of? Yeah, it just basically built, built up all the habits that, um, and skills that you're going to need to, like, go and play in college, go play professionally. And then, um, you know, you, you're moving away from home. Like, we left when we were, like, 16, so... To, yeah. to leave home that early, uh, even though, you know, they're taking care of you, you have to be responsible yourself. 
um, keep your diary, book your physio appointments, um, yeah. keep a schedule. I think that's one of the biggest things that I, I got from, from the tutor. Yeah, just that. It's like being uh, a professional and being exposed to being professional when you're, you're 17, 18 years old and it just sets you up for the habits, as you said, down the track. I remember like some of the, if you if you didn't know Marty and you didn't know what he was like, a lot of the guys were like, this guy's like a, a, a crazy disciplined sergeant style, that, the way you get treated, but it's just building good habits. And at the time, it, it can be a bit of a shock, but... Um, <laughs> Do, do you have any? Uh, do you have any training sessions you can still remember, uh, where either a couple of remember sessions or uh, any any punishments uh, dished out that you'd like to share? Oh, I mean, there's plenty. I think there was one where uh, we'd had like a, a bad stable game and a, and a poor performance, and we had a training, and Marty was just going off about effort and, and something else, and he like there was a loose ball that didn't get dived on or it might have been a ball that, that bounced out of bounds and I just remember him telling me like show me how you would you would dive on that ball like go and dive on that ball and I like, did some half-assed effort and just kind of like tapped it back in and he, he just he lost it and I'm like you know like that's that's not good enough like losing his crap and then I was like all right so the next one I just went and like dive like into the chairs out of bounds and like saved it all in and ate it and, and made a fool of myself but that's the kind of examples he would do and um he was just yeah awesome coach awesome uh people developer and mentor and just yeah yeah was, uh, i was a legend and what about um some of the like the tough things you experienced at the shoot because i mean it it's an unbelievable opportunity but um it is full on and i mean that everyone has tough days there like what were some of the tough days you had, whether it was injury or um, homesick and how, how'd you deal with that? Um, it's, it's tough. I mean, you kind of deal with it by, I guess, leaning on, on your teammates and, and the people that you're around. And I, again, feel really lucky that we had such a good group and a good age group. And it's like the, the things you learn, like you go on a Seawell road trip, you play three games in three days in Victoria, you fly back late Sunday night. And then at 7am, you've got a shooting session that you've got to get up to and, and go in and you, you feel like crap. You don't feel like going in and it's just the, the resilience and, and mental toughness to, you know, like push through and realize that this is what it's going to take. If you want to be a, a professional basketball player and represent your country and, it just builds the the kind of resilience that you need for basketball and in life as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't know what, what any significant ones that you remember in terms of remember sessions or like. Uh, I remember one. I still remember it. Must have been a good session. It was. I think it was before we went home for Easter one year, uh, and we were running like across the court doing like seventeens, um, and. Yeah, I, <laughs> I remember a couple of guys like heads just like wobbling around. Like, <laughs> you probably know who I'm talking about, but um, yeah, and guys just you know just away with the fairies because they're just so so tired for, from yeah. like running until they basically can't run anymore. But um, what what was the experience of playing against men in Siebel, uh now called the NBL One? 
back then, like when you're, you know, 16, 17, 18, especially as a big guy, like you, you've got a bang down there. Your body hasn't developed yet, even though we're smashing weights three times a week. Yeah. Uh, incredible development opportunity. Um, never, never played at that level. And I think it's like the mental part is, is always overlooked, Like you play against guys that have, are in the NBL uh, or on the back end of their career and are really smart and really understand the game and the things you pick up in gameplay, just playing against these guys, like physicality, just the little moves that they do. Um, and then, you know, like playing games, like you're out the troop, you train every day, you don't get to play a lot of games and now it's like you get to play in this semi-professional league and get to go out and compete in an actual game that matters and, and, and that was... Uh, so awesome and I know a lot of the other teams in the league the word was you get back you play against AIS play against these young guys just play hard and they full court press all game and for most of the team no one really wants to play D like that and um, yeah I mean I, I love it I think it was awesome for my development um, yeah. physicality wise uh, awesome playing against grown men can't emphasize that enough to get to to play against uh, bigger, stronger opponents as soon as possible to, to really refine your game. Um, yeah. What about you in terms of playing against some of the guards in Siebel? Like, Yeah, I mean, it was it was tough. Like, I mean, they were bigger, stronger, more experienced. Um, and then trying to get around some of those screens, I remember um, uh, I got cracked, I think. It was actually in Bendio, which... Uh, it was the, the team I grew up playing for, um, you know, apart from Maryborough, I played for the Bendio Braves and got cracked on a screen and um, kind of hurt my AC joint. I was out for a few weeks after that and um, definitely had my head a bit more on a swivel after that when I was picking up full court. And I think I wasn't too happy at the big man who uh, didn't, I, I didn't call out the screen. It wasn't you, luckily. So uh, it's all That's good. good. <laughs> what about um, some of the other international trips we had at the Chute, um, getting to go to um, Italy, France, um, Germany. Germany for Albert Schweitzer? Like, talk, talk about some of your memories from, from those trips. Uh, again, playing for your country, as good as it gets. Um, but playing in these foreign countries exposed to a different style of play and, and teams that play different ways, uh, like the Greeks, the Croatians, Team USA, like you get to play against uh, like future NBA guys um, and you get to, to see the world, you know, like we went to Schweitzer and that was like the first international tournament. Yeah, it was, uh, it was just awesome. Like again, playing, playing for your country can't be beat, exposed to style of play. Um, yeah. Bronze medal at Schweitzer, which I don't think many teams had done. I'm, I'm not sure. I think the the 3 Worlds group that won, they might have medaled at Schweitzer. I'm not sure. If the, if the and I think up. the group after us um, might have won it as well. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, I mean, it's yeah, kind of like the prelude to, to the under-19 world champs. I remember at, uh, I think it was at Schweitzer, we had maybe four or five guys in a room and we're doing our washing like in the sink and like hanging it on like the little clothesline. Do you remember that? Yeah, it was uh, Mannheim, Germany and like in winter and like you couldn't go outside and like we're just trying to 
find ways to like wash our own gear and, and get ready and prepare for these tournaments. And it's just like how, how you learn to play uh, and, and really be resourceful with what you have. And, um, you know, again, the living away from home thing that you learn at Matrude and it, it's just, yeah, great character building and you just form a bond with these players in your age group and you become like lifelong friends. Like, yeah, awesome. And then what about like going to the under 19 world champs? Uh, I know we had that, uh, warm-up tournament in, in Melbourne where um, we, we played the Greeks and um, there's a little bit of heat, heat in that contest. Like, what what are some of the things you look back on fondly either from, from that tournament or, or the World Champs? Uh, yeah, I mean, incredible tournament. Um, we beat Greece in, in Melbourne in that pre-tournament and that was awesome. I remember they were staying at the same hotel as us and we kind of had that rivalry. Like, we played against them in a few tournaments. And I think we played against them on tour. Um, we played in a, a tournament in France that same year, earlier in the year. And uh, we were at the hotel in Melbourne and, uh, and Brock Moe and I were waiting in the lobby for the elevator. And it came up and it was like four of the great guys. And they were all in there and it opened and we just like, we looked at each other and we just stepped in and like stood in the middle of them. And we were just, uh, they were talking, they were talking some smack in, uh, in Greek behind us. And it was just, yeah, it was that intensity and uh, that rivalry that we, that we had with that team was, was awesome. And some of those guys wanted to have pretty uh, NBA careers and, and great Euro careers that are still playing. And Brock and I always talk about that, how, how funny it was. And yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, to, to go to Worlds and like, yeah, it was such a cool tournament. Go to New Zealand. Um, you know, I think the first game we played Canada that had uh, Tristan Thompson and Kelly Olenek. Um, who else was on that team? Corey Joseph, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who, yeah, who we, we later faced at Gonzaga for a little bit and a strong uh, Gonzaga influence on that Canadian team and, and beat them in game one and just kind of uh, rolled through that tournament. Uh, and then... Yeah, unfortunately, got to to Greece again, and uh, we yeah, yeah, it was a, a tough one. But what uh, do you remember from that tournament? Uh, yeah, similar thing. I mean, um, uh, we like I I guess had read a lot about the Canadian guys. Like they'd already committed to schools. Like some guys had um, already played college for a year, I think. Um, and yeah, got it. Got a good win versus them. Tough semi versus the Greeks. Um, I remember, I think we played France in the quarters and we had um, like a tough matchup versus them and kind of got by in a close one. Um, but I mean, it was just a great experience. Like the, the pressure at that tournament was unlike anything, you know, I'd felt before uh, and the intensity, it was, um, yeah, it was just an unbelievable experience to, to be able to represent your country at, at a world champs. Yeah. And cause like when you're at the shoot, you're, you're being uh, developed and the emphasis is on this world champs that's coming in, in 2009. And that's what, what Marty uh, measures everything against in terms of the teams that you're going to play and how you're going to go and all that. And then to get there and you go and there's college scouts, NBA scouts, it's, it's, you're on TV and it's just this level and it's like, yeah, it's, it was awesome, awesome yeah. group of guys. And yeah, just 
spewing that we uh, we lost that semi-final against Greece. Yeah, yeah. Well, what about, um, like you mentioned it, what about like the college process for you in terms of like recruiting? Like when did that begin? How, how was that process? Uh, what went into your decision making? It kind of started uh, probably under 18 nationals. You started to get a few letters um, and then you go to the truth and there's coaches that are, college coaches are coming out frequently and, and um, you start to get more letters and you're on the radar and you start to kind of engage schools and, and start to narrow schools down of, of where you could, could want to go. Um, I guess for me, like I, I wanted to go somewhere that uh, I had Australians and that uh, both you and, and Jordan Page and we're all going over at the same time and, um, yeah, we, we wanted to keep playing together. Um, and I think the decision to go to St. Mary's was, was an easy one after, you know, going to campus and seeing the program and meeting the coaches and, and, and seeing the, the family feel and the culture around the program. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, like talking to you and we, and we made the decision and then Geordie was a little bit later. And, um, yeah, we, we went there and... It's, it speaks for itself. Once you get to the campus and, and, and you, you get the feel of what it's like there, it's, uh, it's yeah. Uh, I, re- I remember you went on, was it three visits? You went to St. Mary's, Pacific and Mercer? Yeah, and Mercer, yeah. yeah. So all in one here on my visits and uh, St. Mary's was my last one. And I think you were going Pacific at the, at the same time and we'd, uh, we'd like spoken a little bit. Um, and yeah, I mean that that whole thing is is it's it's a, a different deal, and you like you, you basically go over there and they show off everything they have, and they take you out to the dinner and just um, yeah, like just show you off around the campus and, and the, give their best pitch that they can. Yeah, uh, and for me, yeah, like the like Mercer and Pacific just yeah didn't really compare it to St Mary's and, and what I felt there, and yeah, because I, I remember like after. I think you might have gone to Mercer first and I was maybe still in Australia or maybe I was at Pacific and um, you're, you're telling me, Oh, like it was really good. Like I liked it. And I was like, Oh shit. Like you, you might be like going to Mercer and you know, I'm picking between Pacific and St. Mary's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it was, yeah. I mean, it was one of those things where you go and I really like that. And then I went to the next one. I was like, Oh, I really like that. And it just kind of got better. And then, as I said, once I got to St. Mary's and, and had the feel there and, and talking to you and yeah. we both agreed in terms of uh, long-term for, for ex- player development and experience and all of the factors and boxes, St. Mary's ticked all of those. Um, yeah. And, and yeah. What, what about when you first, uh, set foot on campus uh when to attend uh saint mary's like knowing that all right i'm going to be here for the next 10 12 months uh for the whole school year what was that feeling like and uh, i guess going through orientation and starting classes and uh playing open gym for the first time which uh, i know i found really different when i first got over there structure where every so structured yeah. yeah i mean um uh moving to america probably the first thing like you, you move to the other side of the world um 
a different culture, even though it's very similar in Northern California and at St. Mary's to, to, to Australia, it's, it's different. Um, like you, you go there, you prepared from living at the AIS, which is obviously a, a huge uh, advantage in terms of living away from home and all of the intangible stuff that comes around that. But um, yeah, just, just being on that campus, like it's this crazy beautiful campus in the hills above San Francisco that is just like picturesque and these old uh, Spanish uh, style revolutionary buildings. And it's just like, um, yeah, it's just really cool. You, you meet all, uh, all the, the students and um, playing open gym, as you said, is this unstructured style of play. You go into a program that is, is way different to, to the AIS in terms of structure and what they value. And uh, like, I mean, value in terms of gameplay style of play at, at different levels and different aspects. Um, and you're just a freshman and you, and you just start again at the bottom and you have these seniors that like Omar Samhammer are just these seven foot crazy uh, charismatic uh, loud people that just yell at you and, and tell you what to do and, and, and take you under their wing and uh, yeah <laughs> it's a it's an interesting transition um, yeah. and then what, what, like what do you think about like as being a freshman and, and what sticks out coming in uh well, when I first came in, I think I ended up coming like a week or 10 days late because um, I was playing like, I got called up to play with one of the um, Boomers teams in Asia. And I just remember like rocking up, like I think they'd um, like one of the coaches had already put me in classes. I didn't know where anything was. I didn't have like pens or books. I, I don't think I had uh, like a pillow or bedding or anything like that and um, so it was a bit of a shock to get on there everyone's already you know gone through orientation and, and been there for a week so you were helping me out showing me where to go uh, Phil Benson uh, a senior on that team uh, took me to go get a, uh, a mattress from Court Furniture and uh, I remember we were just yeah, you guys like put it on the roof of uh, of uh, Ben or Phil's car and like drove it back from uh, from like Pleasant Hill Walnut Creek all the way back to St Mary's like on the highway like just uh, we, well, we took the back we took the back roads because um, like we didn't have anything to tie it up so I had one hand like outside the car like just holding it onto the mattress and by the time we got on the campus like my bicep was like seized up like I couldn't even bend it anymore but uh, those are like just some of the fun things that um yeah great memories to to look back on yeah we were uh I mean we were lucky we, we lucky in a sense and it was a little bit different we didn't have to live in the freshman dorm so we lived um in a Geno East up the top of the hill so we weren't kind of uh, around the freshmen the whole time. So we were around some of the, the upperclassmen and that was a, an advantage in itself. But living at the top of the hill, we, we didn't have cars. So we had to walk up and down to get to class. And uh, yeah, that was uh, that hill of first year was, uh, was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when we uh, were training for the mile and uh, oh, yeah, the mile. Uh, yeah. 6 a.m. conditioning and having to walk down. Walk down you know, to it. Yeah, trench coats, like, trying to keep warm on the way down. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was like the miles are a thing in itself. And at St. Mary's, like going there and the amount of emphasis in the program that's put on making your mile time. And I've never run that far before at that kind of pace. And uh, yeah, just trained her. I was like, why are we running on a track? Like we play basketball. We, we run on a 30, 27 meter court up and down. Why are we running 1.6 Ks as fast as we can? And how does that determine if I'm going to be a good basketball player? But it's the yeah the, the the mental toughness intangible things that the program is built around that um that uh randy bennett has done such a good job at laying out the roadmap and how does this fit in and and building these guys and and, and yeah the, the mile was uh an experience in itself every year <laughs> yeah. did you run it your first year or did you get back late or you uh i think i ran it the first year and i might have been hurt one of the years um yep. but i think the first year was my best time but it definitely wasn't something that i look forward to uh each year i was like come on let's just let's just play basketball and you know i'll do condition on the court but i was never much of a uh, track athlete unfortunately yeah <laughs> me either and it's like predetermined and ingrained in the seniors of like how many guys make our mile is to is to how how good we're going to do and how we track through the spring and i think if there was a certain number i'm not sure what it was that made the mile you got to take one early morning conditioning session off the uh the the conditioning block and and yeah i didn't make the mile in my first year it was the only uh year i didn't make it and then i had to run it again a week later and go to the track and do continued training and yeah after i didn't make it and i saw how devastated everyone was and like felt like letting the seniors down and I was like there's no way I'm I'm not gonna make it miss out on it uh for the next three years so every year after that I'd, I'd come back a little bit earlier in the summer kind of start of August and, and just get out on the track and, and work out and get ready for it yeah it's <laughs> oh, definitely had to prepare for well oh, yeah. like that, that first year I mean we we went to the sweet 16 uh we had Guys like Omar, Benny Allen, um, Wayne Hunter, uh, yeah. Clint Steindl, um, to name a few. And we, we just had like the 10-year reunion for that team, which, I mean, makes me feel really old. Talk about some of your best uh, memories from, from that team and any moments that stick out to you. Yeah, I always think like... I'm really privileged and lucky to meet so many good people. Like that team is just a team of guys that were just brothers and legends and still keep in touch to this day. And we saw that at the reunion and it's just really good, like people throughout the whole team. And I guess that speaks to the program at, at St. Mary. They just recruit good people first and foremost. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean that team, like you, you go in and, and, didn't really know much in terms of the, what college basketball was going to be like and style of play and playing on ESPN. And I think uh, it was the first or second game was it was a Midnight Madness game and we might have played San Diego State. Uh, might have been yeah. the second game. Yeah. And uh, I, I remember Bennett talking to me before the game and he's, it was like, yeah, you're probably going to have to guard this guy, uh, Kawhi Leonard, like he's like a 3-4 man for them. And... Yeah, he's pretty good and I was like oh yeah like, I didn't really know anything about him and uh, yeah, he's a pretty good player <laughs> he's gone to pretty good player um, but yeah like that midnight matter stuff's insane like 
have an 11 p.m. tip off and you walk into the gym and it's just pumping with energy and it's just like college basketball at its best, you know, like that kind of uh, welcome to college basketball. Here it is. You've got an 11 p.m. tip off against San Diego State on national TV. Here you go. Like you, you just baptism by fire you're out there. Um, you know, the first couple of games, like what, what, did, what did you think and take away? Like you'd obviously play, come off national team uh, games recently. So you've been playing at that kind of level. So it would have been an easier transition for you. Yeah. Um, it was just, I guess, the unknown factor. Kind of like going into your first nationals, like you've just got no idea what to expect. And um, I think even just playing open gym and, and pick up, with, with the guys and uh, Mickey McConnell, another one, obviously, on that team. And um, just the, the quality of how well that team played together probably stands out for me. And um, the way we shared the ball and uh, the spacing on the floor, like you, everybody was in the right spot, it felt like, at all yeah. times. And there was just that chemistry that, that clicked and... Uh, I know, like, my chemistry with, with Mickey from pretty much day one, uh, we're just on the same page and understanding and, um, like, almost, like, you know what the other one's thinking without having to say it and just coming up with little plays within plays was fun. And then, obviously, Omar, um, <laughs> loud, uh, but full of confidence, really smart player. Um, yeah, he liked to act like he wasn't listening to me, but he he would slip and we'd we'd uh, get a lot of lot of good things going. So uh, it was just a, a fun team to be a part of. Yeah, I mean, I wonder at what point uh, did Omar realize, like five games in, like playing with yourself and and Mickey is like shit. It's gonna be a pretty easy senior year for me. <laughs> so, uh, playing with these guys, like. Um, and same with Bennett. Like, I, I yeah. wonder what we realised in that year that, like, having yourself and Mick as as a backcourt, like, we're uh, we're going to be able to take this thing pretty far. Um, and pieces that fit as well, like Omar as a as a a low post scorer that was basically unguardable one on one. There was the way college basketball is in terms of how you could guard the post back then. And then just, you know, elite shooting, having a, a four-man in, in Ben Allen who could, was a really good passer, really smart, could, could shoot, and, and Clint Steinle as well. Um, and other guys like myself and Geordie that would come in and, and, and play a role and um, a team that, that, you know, fit together and um, just, yeah, right time, right place. A couple of shots went down that they did and, and, and went to the, the Sweet 16 and, and, and made some noise in the tournament. And, yeah. Yeah. What was that like? I mean, we, we'd watched the tournament at the Tude and, um, you know, we knew what it was, but how different was it from, you know, hearing people talk about it, seeing it on TV in Australia, to actually living through it? Oh, it's nuts as well. Are you playing in bloody NFL football stadiums? Like, to go to the games, you're getting police escorts on your bus? Um, like... Yeah, it's just like you're like a rock star. Like, I mean, going to Houston for the Sweet 16, like playing uh, in uh, in the arena, like 40,000 people, whatever it holds, and like to get to the game on the bus, there's like crazy traffic on the on the freeway in Houston. 
and just the police escort and the cops are just moving the traffic out of the way so our bus could get through and, and get to the game and walking into that stadium and like the depth perception on the hoop <laughs> uh, never played in, in, a, in a stadium that big and um, yeah the, the tournament you don't until you play in it and, and realise like how cool it is and how awesome it is and, and, and you're a freshman and you realise how much it, 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 how big of an emphasis it is how hard to get there it is um, it's yeah like it's three out of four years like we went like that's pretty awesome run and yeah we cool. yeah how it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. What what about um like if you can talk a bit about I guess your personal development uh as a player and as a leader going like from a freshman where you know Omar and Benny um take you under their wing to like becoming a leader and, and you being the one to take guys like Brad Waldo under your wing. Yeah, I mean, like Omar as as a leader, he's it's crazy, crazy unique in terms of how much better he, he makes his teammates in a, in a in a way that's just like just instills confidence in everybody on his team because his own confidence is just so significant that it just rubs off and uh, yeah, that's like something I'll, I'll I always think of Omar when I think of someone that I'd want to go to war with. I was uh, yeah, elite teammate. <laughs> um, but I mean, I've, I've always kind of been like a, a lead by example kind of guy. And um, with after that year, I saw what Omar and Benny did, and like Benny knew how good a senior year he wanted to have, and the things that he needed to do, and how hard he had to work. And I just saw that, saw how the program fit together, uh, and, and from that year onwards, that was kind of the bar. Like we, we they set the bar really high. I saw what the seniors were like, what needed to be done for us to be good. Um, and then just try to bring a better version of that every year. And as new guys come in, you, you just instill them in and, and build the culture. And um, yeah, that was, that was what, what I took from it. Like that was the bar, the bar was set. All right. Yeah. As you move up, you just bring it on to the, to the next guys. And um what about Mickey for you? Like, talk about Mick as a Mick's like, yeah. <laughs> oh, he's coaching at St. Mary's now, which I mean, we I think everyone knew he was he was going to be a coach when he was yeah. done playing. And that's the thing for, for for Bennett at the time. He's like, I've got two of these like two guys on the floor that could basically coach college programs in terms of their basketball IQ, and yeah, you have two coaches on the floor at all times. It makes your job as a head coach a lot easier for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, it was it was just, I guess, um, thinking the same way, plus um, having that floor spacing and everybody uh, knowing where to be on dribble penetration, pick and rolls that um, Coach B's just like instilled in every player that's been there. Like you watch them now and I mean, the spacing is still awesome to watch. Um, yeah. And you can throw passes knowing that people are going to be there. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, just talking with Mick, I mean, we would talk about different plays to come up with, uh, to test out. And, um, you know, if it worked well enough, like it might become part of the offense, you know, by the next game if we were messing around in practice with it. So that was, I think, really fun for my development um, to to experiment with with things like that and have someone who plays the same position we can bounce ideas off 
um, talk about things in a game. Like if a guy was guarding um, one of us a certain way, like you take the ball this time and look look for me off this screen. Or if you do this, um, you're going to be open. Um, just little plays within the plays, which um, it's it's rare to to find that. So yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. What about how open was was uh, was Bennett like early on when you came in to you kind of like saying, hey, we should do this. Hey, we should try this. Did you have to go through Mickey or would he take it? take it on board after you kind of earned your stripes or you feel like you had that, he had that respect of you from the start or? Uh, to be honest, like I can't really remember. It just kind of evolved. Um, sometimes like, I think it just started out small. Like it might be, uh, you know, we used to run horns a lot and I would tell Omar to slip just by giving him like a little head nod or, um, just some things like that. Um, and then, it definitely wasn't like that from day one. I, you know, I felt like yeah. I had to earn my stripes. But, um, you know, by my junior and senior year especially, um, you know, I think Coach B gave me, like, a, <laughs> a fair bit of rope um, to, to you know, put in things that I saw or um, try out some things. And, um, yeah, like, I, I didn't like abuse that trust but um it was unbelievable for my development to to have that responsibility and um yeah. you know my junior and senior year having capes there as well to bounce ideas off about what he was seeing as well um was was a lot of fun what what were some of the um like tough things you went through in college whether it was injury or um like you know playing time like some years um and how did you deal with that uh i mean it was it was injury like for me like my sophomore year had a, a really good year and was a starter and um like yeah i like, kind of had a breakout year and then the next year uh my junior year i got injured early on in the year um i, I hurt my groin was a starter and and then like missed a couple of games and then like tried to come back and um, was behind the eight ball a little bit and, and got back uh, and got into the rotation. And then I think I rolled my ankle later in the year, like at the start of conference play and I just couldn't, couldn't get a break the, the whole year, just had things that niggled and um, was, was limited into, into how much of an effect I could, I could kind of have. But again, it's just the, the thing that, you know, you're frustrated, you learn from it, you, you just build that resilience and, and you keep working and you're in this environment that is the program around these guys that are like, yeah, I'm out, whatever. I'm, I'm working towards the same goal as everyone else. There's no selfishness, there's no crap. You have these great coaches and guys like Rick Roy and, uh, as you said, Capes and like Marcus Schroeder and people on that staff that are just so good at keeping everyone united and working towards the same goal. And, um, yeah, after that year, I, I kind of realised, yeah, it was tough for me, but just reloaded again for, for the summer and for senior year and, and, and came back and, and had a good senior year. And probably, yeah, like not having a tough junior year with injury uh, was the reason I was able to have a, a good senior year and, and come back. And, and we, we did so well again in that senior year. So, yeah. Talk, talk about uh, Croy and 
and Capes and, and Marcus a, a little bit as well. Like, what do you, I mean, I know you're still close with all those guys, but talk about, I guess, your relationship with them then and how, how big that was and, and how it's evolved to where it is today. Yeah, again, feel really lucky to have met uh, three uh, awesome, unique, elite leaders in their own way. Like, my first impression of, of Croy was uh, sophomore year. I think he was had been added to the staff and it was like early in the in the fall before everything had started. And I went to the office and I was like, oh, I was catching up with everyone. How's everyone going? I'm just going to go down and get a lift in. And he's like, oh, like I'll come. So we just went down, just me and him. And we were just like, I was like, oh, I'm going to do this. And then we'll, we'll, I think we're doing bench. And uh, I might have chucked like whatever on and, did a warm up, then we did the first set, and then the next set he just like chucked on like an extra twenty kilos on each side, and he's like, he's like, we're doing this now, and I was like, uh, okay, <laughs> like everything that that dude is uh is so intense into the next level, and he's just he just brings you with him, and his his intensity is contagious, and I love it, and he's uh he's just yeah this this awesome human, um, Capes same thing like as soon as you meet Capes you just realize how smart he is and his basketball IQ and he's just uh, a crazy incredible leader that was lucky to come in in that sophomore year when we had lost uh, David Patrick and, and Kyle Smith and to be replaced by, by those guys it was just yeah it was awesome and, and Marcus was uh, was on the staff and was kind of cutting his teeth as, as a, uh, a grad student and, and Marcus and I would, would work out every single day like around practice, like around uh, my classes, around weights, we'd find like 45 minutes every day to get in and shoot, to do touch, to do finishing, to do ball handling. And, and like Marcus was my guy in that space. And uh, just that bond, like I've, I've always had that with Marcus and we, yeah, we just thousands of shots and, and free throws. And um, yeah, he, he, he helped me keep my game sharp around practice and they're just all just such awesome people and still close to this day and really, really lucky to have, have met them. Um, you want to talk about Croy for a little bit and, and your first impression of him? Cause he's, there's no one like Rick. <laughs> nah, he's, he's definitely one of a kind and uh, hopefully I'm going to get him on next to, to have a chat with him. Um, I mean, he was like the intensity he brought was just unmatched and I think your weight room story just kind of sums it up um I do remember after it was either before or after weight sessions I think it might have been before remember he brought in that um karate game uh, <laughs> where we were all like staying silent or like you couldn't move until somebody like the other person moved yeah, um, yeah, but always competing um, and never, never a dull moment. Like, and you had to be ready to go when when he's around. Be ready to yeah. compete because you, you don't. Know, you, I was training for the mile, right? I was on the treadmill in in Madigan, and he came in and he got on the treadmill, and we were just talking or whatever. And I was like running, and I was like, oh, like how long are you gonna run for? And he's like, oh, like just like longer than you are, like. And we were just like staying on there running and it was just like, who was going to stay on there the longest? And I was like, I, I, I'd been on there for a little bit and I was about to die. And I just got, and his, his things like, he just, 
he's that kind of guy. Like if someone's on the treadmill next to him, like he's he's running longer than they are, no matter what. <laughs> nah, I'll have to ask him about that for sure. Yeah. Uh, what what about I mean, what what did you away from the court, like what did you study at St. Mary's and um who were some of the people you you met either at St. Mary's or uh, I guess in, in the community that um, still you keep in touch with and, and either learn from them uh, or help you to this day? Um, so I studied business. I didn't know specifically what, what I was going to do after basketball, but I thought if I, I studied business, it was, it was pretty general and pretty adaptable to anything. I'm lucky that I did now for, for, for what I do now. Um, in terms of like relationships, just, you know, the, the staff around St. Mary's, um, like the professors, like you get an email every now and then and keep in touch with them. And obviously everyone loves basketball at St. Mary's and um, there's still people that you can call on for, for uh, wisdom and, and advice. Um, the other Australians that were in the Bay Area at the time, I think the Bay Area, when we went to college was kind of the, uh, really tech boom and tech bubble and Silicon Valley was really coming of age and um, there's some people like um, uh, uh, Pat Llewellyn uh, who would have us around to his house for barbecues who is uh, the CEO of 99 Designs and just you know chopping up things that we were learning in, in class and business-wise with him and he was obviously running a a, a massive startup that boomed and went on to have great success and has had great success. Um, yeah. David Kershaw, who was uh, worked in IT for Chevron, another massive company in the Bay Area, another Aussie that um, loved basketball and, and would have us around and you get to build that relationship. Uh, Nigel Warren, who was uh, head of the Australian consulate. Um, Australians in the Bay Area, like Australians always have that uh, network when when you're overseas and they're always recognized and, and want to look after each other and uh yeah in terms of a, a business networking uh advantage like getting to meet those guys and, and still people that i uh keep in touch with and um have, have really helped me for for my career so far after basketball yeah uh, yeah what about you in terms of relationships with uh off the court from st mary's yeah, I mean, definitely like those three guards you mentioned. Um, I think that um, Aussie bond and um, Aussie group of people just just find their way to um, somehow hang out with each other and connect. Uh, whether it's like <laughs> probably watching, over a few beers and a barbecue and yeah. watching the AFL Grand Final, yeah, just things like fun, yeah. that. Um, yeah, like make make it like a home away from home, and you almost feel like even though you're on the other side of the world, you're you're in Australia for that night or that afternoon, which is which is cool. And um, it it was awesome for them to, I guess, take care of us and and show us around and just have us around for for a home cooked meal because that's you know one of the things you miss when you're at college. Yeah, definitely. What what about like now like um, graduate from St Mary's um, going to play pro like what was that transition like um, from yeah college to pro picking an agent like signing your first deal 
um, and, and that first professional season? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, always wanted to play pro, uh, wanted to play in the NBL, picking an agent. So I've been speaking to a few people and uh, my agent for my career, Bruce Cater, um, he actually, we kind of spoke and I was working out who I was going to go with and then he came to a game and it was, uh, it was an ESPN bracket buster and we played Creighton um, and he was at the game, he was sitting right behind the bench and I... I had to guard uh, Doug McDermott to start the game. And I think uh, I think he, I think he might have scored like the first eight points. <laughs> like he cut He had a cannon. He had a flamethrower, and he just came off like two pin downs. And I thought I was close enough, but the dude could just shoot the piss. And he might have had the first six or eight, and and I got subbed out. And Bennett just came down the bench, and he was just going to town like in front and. Bruce was sitting right behind me. And I was just like, like it was a pretty epic spray from, from Bennett. Probably one of the better ones I had at um, St. Mary's. Anyway, got back in the game later on and had a pretty good game. Uh, and we won and, and played well. And talking to Bruce after that, and he's like, yeah, like, I mean, I loved how you responded from that. And uh, he was like, yeah, like, I, I, if, you, if you're willing to uh, work with me I think you can you know go on and play in the NBL and do all that and, and that was kind of the first start of my relationship with with Bruce Cater yeah um, just before you go on on that I I forgot to ask you and I don't know how I forgot this but um you're something you you struggled a little bit with um at college and uh was was your free throw shooting w would you agree with that yeah, I, I mean, I was never, I was probably like a, always a, a, a mid-50s kind of free-throw shooter. Yeah. Until but, my senior year when I had like a 23% increase in, which is like pretty uh, pretty significant for shooting numbers, obviously. Unheard of. And I mean, you, you were just in the gym just shooting free-throws like all the time, like before practice, after practice, before weights, um, putting the time in and then... Uh, we get to a game our senior year versus Harvard, which, uh, you know, important game for us. Uh, I, think we're, I think we're down by one, right? And um, I, I think I had the shot to win the game for us. I miss. Luckily, you were there to grab the rebound. You try to go back up and get fouled, and there's, what, a few seconds ago, you're at the line, yeah. down one. With I think it was a, it wasn't two free throws. It was a one and one. It was down one. It was a one and one. Yeah, yeah. So if you miss the first, you don't get the second shot. Yeah. So I mean, there really can't be more pressure than that. What are you thinking when you get fouled and and steps the line? Uh, well, I, I knew I had to make one <laughs> just to tie it up and and get the opportunity to shoot the second. Um, they tried to ice me out, so we, I think we had a timeout, or Ben had called a timeout, came out just as the ref threw about, was about to throw me the ball, like Harvard called a, a timeout and like tried to ice me in, so we went back in and um, yeah, I mean, I was, I was probably nervous, but at the time, I, again, I had been shooting with Marcus Schroeder literally every day, like after... Uh, shoot around after practice, like sets of 50, sets of 100 free throws. My free throw shooting had got a lot better. Um, and it's just one of those kind of the, uh, 
you don't think about it like the you shoot natural shooting just kind of takes over and um yeah like was knocked the first one down and I, after i hit that first it was just a huge relief I'm like all right it's tied up i get the second shot now it's at least we're going to probably going to go to overtime and, and get another crack at them um and then the second one was easy after that that first one you know and that was New Year's Eve. Uh, it was a, a huge game in terms of how that was going to play out with our RPI. And I think Harvard had just beat Cal yeah. the night or two nights before. And they were, they were pretty good that year. Um, and in terms of how it played out for our senior year and like all those games and those balls that just like bounce that way. Like that night, obviously, New Year's Eve with Harvard and there's another one that I always think about against uh, University of San Diego in the WCC tournament. Yeah, if it was in overtime or if it was the end of regulation, but you had a corner three that was like won us the game, and we, I don't know if we were down two or whatever, but it was just a huge shot that that goes in. Uh, obviously, the the BYU one, which is remembered often with the the outlet and the three quarter floater. Uh, just the balls out that that one, the yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, like shots like that. Like, other what other significant ones can you remember from that year? Like those two. Stars? I mean, the, the Harvard one. I mean, I think everybody on the team and staff were just obviously pumped because it was an important win for us. But we we had all seen like the work you'd been putting in. So to see you get that reward was uh, was unreal. But um, the San Diego one in the tournament, the BYU one. Um, I remember, I think it was Cal Poly at Cal Poly. I think that was our senior year. Um, was that senior year or junior? Oh, I was junior year. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, it took those three games and and those shots to even get us into the playing game in the tournament. Yeah. So, I mean, we were like right on the bubble. If we lose one of those games, like we we most likely don't make the tournament. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, sometimes it bounces your way, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you uh, yeah, do the right thing and work hard and you create your own luck and you'll get the bounce. That's, that's all I kind of think. So. <laughs> yeah. What, what about, so you uh, going back to um, signing with Bruce as your agent, like how was that process after, after doing that and um, picking a team and, and signing a contract and, in the NBL? Yeah, it's... Um, so I think I signed uh, probably with about three, a month, probably a month left of school. Uh, I, I signed with, with Cairns. Um, I had strong interest from uh, Cairns, Townsville and New Zealand. They were the kind of main three teams and had a, a better financial offer from, from Townsville. Um, but just Cairns kind of seemed like a, uh, a better fit in terms of where the program was at, stability of the club and a few other things. And, and um, yeah, I mean, Bruce was, was great through that process and obviously not knowing much about the NBL when you come back. The NBL's um, from the outside looking in, you don't really kind of know how tough it is and, and the, the level of play and the level of coaches. I mean, it's just the league with, was with eight teams in, play every team four times, like every team knows all your strengths, all your weaknesses, every set you run, it's it's coaching has is uh so significant in how the teams do and um yeah it was uh I didn't really know how I was gonna go and um yeah signed a, a two year deal with Cairns and um came in and 
had a had a pretty good rookie year and was unlucky to not win rookie of the year. I think Tom Jervis just pipped me, um, but got to play a lot. I think I played about 20 minutes a game, um, and we just missed out on finals. I think we were, I think we were fifth that year, fifth or sixth. Um, and yeah, that was the 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 jump from from college to pro. So, and then what what about uh, that grand final team? Yeah, so that was the, the next year, second year in Cairns. So that was um, a team that, that really fit together well in terms of all of the personalities and what each player brought. And we're really lucky to have two players that Aaron Fern recruited really well, Scotty Wilkin and, and Tory Craig, both uh, elite players, uh, elite leaders and just competitors. Like Scotty, as a, as a point guard, was just... Yeah, he came out of out of Florida and was just so good on on both ends. Like defensively as well, as well was just one of those dudes that just takes on the challenge of like this guy's not going to score. Uh, I'm going to lock him down as well as up the other end, creating for everyone so significantly and being elite on on both ends was just yeah. I mean, as I said, Aaron Fern was recruited him and was yeah a guy that was fringe NBA and ended up playing for Cairns in the NBL. That's a pretty good recruiting job um, and Tori who who yeah uh, one of those guys that you kind of know if they get get a crack at the NBA like they'll be able to establish themselves and now he, he is with with Denver obviously and yeah we uh, should have won the league that year we're the best team all year um, got home court for finals three game series played New Zealand uh, the first game in Cairns Reese Carter hit five threes. Uh, it was like season high and just had one of those renaissance games where he kind of turned back a few years on his career and played really well. And, and we dropped the ball and we knew it was going to be tough from there. The, the turnaround from the next game was like we played on a Friday night and the next game was like a Sunday Arvo. To get to Auckland from Cairns is like two flights and we had to leave at like 5 a.m. We got into New Zealand like nine at night. I'd play at one the next day. Um, quick turnaround. Um, obviously went went to the game, played really well, um, and then yeah, we we lost on a, a buzzer beater. And one thing I always remember about that game is I was on the inbounder uh, as as you know, I think Corey Webster was inbounding the ball, and uh, it was like a crazy play. They drew up to like a, a high post catch for a, a turnaround fadeaway that won on the game. But how I was like on the ball and jumping up and down and going crazy, there was like just a gap under uh, my arm, my left arm, and he like threw a pass fake and just like fired it through and like got it through. And it was close to the center court line and it hit the elbow and uh, yeah, ended up in a tough turnaround fadeaway, which they won on the buzzer and, and won the series and yeah, won the won the grand final. And, Premiership, so yeah, yeah, tough. <laughs> um, yeah, that is about, tough. Like, talk about your uh, like the jump to professional and what what your first thoughts was. Um, I think it um, just like leaving the St Mary's environment um, or even uh, like the Boomers environment. It's it's just different. Um, it's very competitive and uh, especially like I was trying to make the team. So uh, at that first training camp and um, when after I'd made the team and um, that first season, uh, we, we didn't make the playoffs and um, 
I, I was lucky to have a great mentor, Andy Verjao, who you came over and met and had some good times with. Um, <laughs> he, he really uh, took me under his wing and showed me the ropes and went out to dinners on the road. Um, and that, that was the awesome part of it. But just the, I guess, style of, style of play, um, the, the sharing of the ball was very different to, to what I was used to uh, at St. Mary's and, and with the boom of where everyone's playing unselfish and, um, you know, just doing whatever they can to help the team win. There's a lot of different um, agendas at times that um, aren't always aligned um, unless, yeah. um, you know, a, a team that's either trying to make the playoffs or, or in the mix to, to win a championship. Yeah, yeah, that's the, the difference in professional basketball to, to college basketball. <clears throat> yeah. The degree of yeah. Oh, sorry, you go. No, no, go. I was going to say, like, what about um, changing teams and um, eventually get, getting to play for your hometown team that you grew up watching, uh, Brisbane? Yeah, that was always my dream to play for the Bullets. Um, and then after Cairns, went to Townsville um, and then went went to Brisbane. And Brisbane came back and I lay about halfway through the season in my year at Townsville, there was talk of Brisbane coming back. And I was like, I'll do anything to get on that team. Would love to get on that team. I mean, told Bruce K, my age and that. And we started the process with that. And after the Townsville season, it wasn't looking too good for, for the Crocs uh, financially and, and if they were going to survive or not. And I was on Bruce the whole time. I was like, look, I, I've got to get on this Brisbane team. <laughs> like, I had uh, played for Dre at the World University Games after college. Um, yeah. And we won a, a silver medal in Russia uh, and, and loved Dre and, and loved his style of play and everything that he was about. And he was the coach, obviously, and, and, and liked me from that. And it just, yeah, it kind of worked out the way free agency went. And um, I was actually in the States, in the Bay Area when it happened. I was back visiting. And um, I just, yeah, remember the call from from Bruce and when it all got done. And just, yeah, was so stoked and like, so happy to, to, to get the opportunity to play for Brisbane and, and to go through all that. And, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was uh, pretty surreal, like, yeah. just to, to go through it all and, and, and play in Brisbane and, everything that's come with that but yeah, yeah one of my career highlights for sure yeah and then I mean we're, we've got to get to talking about um being the GM of the Logan Thunder and uh bringing it back full circle how was that decision um to to not keep chasing that NBL career and um transition to to life after sport and um you know, go go for the GM job. It was a tough one. It was, um, yeah, it was it was hard because like I went I went to Cairns in my last year and like went up there and uh, we didn't have a good year and I didn't get to play a lot and I was the, the conversation came to like I can you know keep playing and do the same thing again and, and try and, and go to another team and, and do that and then um, this job came up and I'd been close with uh, Josh Pascoe who's the former GM and moved on to basketball Queensland since like Logan came back into the QBL. Like they, like he recruited me to come back and, and play for him. And, and every off season I've played for him since and, and maintained a, a, a close relationship with him. And he's a good friend. And um, yeah, his time, like 
was up and the opportunity had come for him to move on and um, he kind of informed me that yeah hey like I'm I'm moving on to BQ and uh, he didn't you know say like the, the the job's open if you're interested to apply he just kind of said he was moving and then I, I had a chat to Haley and and we talked about it and I was like well I'll just kind of throw my hat in the ring and 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 go through it all and and go through the process and and see what comes out of it. I mean it's always a a job that I'd I'd love to kind of want to do and move into that sport business side. Um, and it was tough. Like, wanted to keep playing as long as I could, obviously, and had planned to play this NBL 1 season so I could kind of fill that appetite there. But obviously, that's been cancelled due to the virus. But I'm planning will be to play next year and, and keep playing. But, yeah, just a, an opportunity to, to move into sport business and to get to... Um, you know, lead and, and grow a club that has, has done a lot for me and, and to give for my chance to give back to the club on, on what I've learned and, and try and build on the, the awesome work that, that Josh has done. Um, and that's where where I'm at right now. <laughs> yeah, so. how, how is the, I mean, we, we've talked about it before, but the amount and the different types of people um, you have to communicate with from, uh, you know, junior players signing people for for um, NBL one season, um, junior coaches, parents, the board, local government, state government. Um, how has I guess sport helped you with with having to communicate with so many different people? It's uh, it's yeah, as you said, a, a really unique job in the fact that you talk to everyone from little Timmy's mum who's not getting enough court time right through to uh, the Queensland Minister for Sport, Mick DeBrenny, and, you know, you're, you're wearing a different hat every day and there's so much, so many different things that go into the role because as well as running a basketball club, we also operate a stadium, which is a business in itself and um, so many uh, different aspects that, that, that come into the to the role and I think just being exposed to so many uh, great leaders and smart individuals and, and, and through my network and, and things that I had picked up on my journey um, is the ability to, to relate to people being exposed to so many different people and, and, and teammates and college and American different types of people and um, it's 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 different in the sense that you play in the NBL and, and for so long, like as a professional athlete, you live in a bubble and no one really gets access to you um, only at certain times. And, and now, like at this job, like people have access to me, like basically twenty four seven in terms of like what people that that, that need stuff and, and running the club. And it's it's yeah, it's been a, a crazy transition and um, have, I've learned a lot. Um, and yeah, again, feel feel grateful for the experience, and it's going to be awesome long term in in terms of uh, for the, my next phase of my career for sure. Yeah, and then so what what are some of your your goals and and plans for Logan Basketball? I know you obviously want to grow the grow the game there, especially for the juniors. Yep. So I mean, leave it in a in a better place. So I found it grow the club, um, the junior program, just, you know, make it a powerhouse in Queensland, make it a, a program standard as to this is what junior programs should look like. <clears throat> this is how, like, Logan Logan basketball, Logan Thunder players play. This is what they do. This is what they win. This is how they win. 
Uh, I mean, the club and the business as well, obviously operating the stadium and continue to grow that and, and you know, get some more courts and, and renovate the facility and just, yeah, like make it make it a, a powerhouse in, in Queensland. We're in southeast Queensland, in a, a high growth area in between Brisbane and the Gold Coast and the population's booming and, you know, tap into that and get more people playing basketball and hopefully win an NBL1 championship while I can still contribute effectively on the court. Um, and yeah, just just you know, leave it in a in a better place. Build on the the good work that Josh and the, the staff here have done. Yeah. Keep it uh, moving forward. And then, I mean, I know it's a tough time um, for everybody right now with with the virus and not being able to you know have games at the stadium and things like that. How are you trying to keep the kids? Um, involved and I guess people in general involved and, and connected to the club? Most of the stuff that we we can do right now in terms of engagement is, is through uh, social media, through our Facebook, Instagram and our Twitter and, and video content and trying to reach out to, to our players, our NBA One players and um, our juniors and get them to do workouts and, and things that they can do at home and uh, just, you know, be resourceful, like be creative. What can we do to, to keep our players engaged and, and keep them working out and so that when this thing does end and they, and they come back, they're, they're ready to go and their game is, is somewhat sharp. I mean, everyone's different. Everyone has access to a hoop at home. Uh, everyone should have a ball and just, you know, showing them that you can still improve as a player even though you're not on court uh, at the stadium shooting and training with your team. So yeah. we've, we've tried to get the message across that way. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's important. I mean, you can definitely, you know, you got to get creative sometimes, but uh, you can still find ways to, to get better and, and work on your game uh, during this time. Sure. Sure, uh, sure. You, you mentioned uh, Haley before and uh, you're in the process of, of planning a wedding. Um, yeah. How, I really guess because we have uh, more time due to the virus. So, <laughs> well, that, that's definitely a bonus. I'd, I'd take advantage of that. But well, we've got to follow up from how good yours was, which you guys set you and I set the bar pretty high. So uh, <laughs> we got a tough act to follow for sure. De- destination wedding uh, in Milwaukee was yeah. uh, a lot of fun. Um, I guess how how nervous were you when you? when you went to propose and um, I like knowing that that's the person you, you want to, you know, spend the rest of your life with um, what, what went into like thinking about that and, and being ready to make that commitment. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I knew like from the day that I met her um, that she was the one and it's just a timing thing and, and when it was going to be the right time and um yeah, with me continuing to play and she moved up to Cairns with me and she sacrificed a lot for me and uh, she's she's awesome. She's an absolute stud. Uh, in terms of the proposal, uh, I mean, we'd spoke about how I was going to do it and, and tried to plan something out. Uh, and Hayley, Hayley and I love being on the ocean, being around the ocean and we've both kind of grown up around it. Uh, and, and fishing and surfing and, and, and we love fishing. That's like the hobby and um, how we, we get away and spend time from the, the craziness of life. Um, 
So we'd, we'd plan a holiday over over New Year's Eve uh, to go up to Port Douglas. Uh, Port Douglas is an hour north of Cairns. Cairns uh, is where I played my last season in NBL. We love living up there. We're like, we'll go back. We'll go to the Great Barrier Reef, which is one of the most incredible places in the world in terms of beauty and marine life. And just you can go out in a boat and be on the reef and just feel like you're on another planet. Like it's it's just this crazy place. Um, and so I had, had planned how I was, I was going to do a proposal, um, got the ring, took it on a boat, uh, made sure it was insured. There's <laughs> a lot of variables when you've got a, an expensive diamond on a, on a boat that a lot can go wrong. Um, so I was pretty nervous in that sense. And how I originally had planned to do it, um, we love fishing for giant trevally. So they're these massive uh, fish that, you fish top water so you throw your lure out and you kind of like work it back and they'll come up and they'll eat the lure off the surface so you get to watch them swim in on these reef flats and come in and take the lure and when they hit it like you just hold on like they're the most powerful like in- incredible fish that basically there is in terms of sport fishing so the plan was for her to catch a gt um and then when she released it like threw it back in, I was going to have the drone set up above the boat. And as she turned around, I was going to be on one knee and pose. Um, and we went out and I got a good one in the morning and, and Haley hadn't got one. And I was kind of like, oh, the tides weren't right. And there's a few other things that I didn't know if she was going to get one. And then uh, we were with uh, a guy, Damon, who we'd fished with before when we lived in Cairns. Haley got this fish. Um, she took a photo of it, or she, I took a photo of her with it. And then she was, handing it back to myself and Damon and we were going to take the hooks out out of the lure and just like throw it back and as she handed it over the console of the boat to Damon it just kind of went crazy and the 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 lure came out of its mouth and the hook went into Damon's hand and it's like this big thick treble like wedged into his hand and I was like it's not gonna be good like probably gonna have to go to hospital and um yeah, so he was. I was in a lot of pain. I took the lure off. Still got his hook in his hand. It was in too deep. We couldn't get it out. The barb was wedged, uh, and it was just this like eerie silence on the boat. And I was like, "We're gonna have to go in. Like the day's ruined. Like it's." I've been thinking about the proposal the whole time. Being selfish as, and this guy's in so much pain in his hand. I was like, "What? Like I was like, are you alright? Like let's just get go to hospital." And he's like, "No, nah, no, nah, I'm all good. Like he wrapped it up." and uh, just pushed through the pain. He, he knew what the plan was. And so, um, yeah, he's got this massive hook in his hand. He's driving us around for the day. And then the backup plan, if she didn't get a GT, was to go to a sand cave in the middle of the Great Barrier Reef. Like, it's really beautiful white sand, crystal clear water. Um, and, he, yeah, he dropped us off and we jumped out and, and walked up. And, yeah, like on, on the sand cave on the reef, a, a really special place for us and, and she wasn't um expecting it and yeah they didn't drop the ring in the water which was was good and um yeah got it done so that was uh that was the proposal <laughs> makes for a uh great story got to give a big shout out to damon <laughs> yeah yeah legend he uh, pushed through so yeah and then uh i guess talking about your big passion that you share with Haley fishing uh, what about the the young hookers uh, fishing YouTube channel? Yeah, so that's our uh, YouTube channel. So uh, I mean, we just kind of thought like 
with the way media content is and the way the world is going, like YouTube's a platform that you can basically store all your memories on and share them with your family and, and friends really easily. And, you know, we, we love going on trips and, and the adventures that ha you have that come with fishing. And we're all like, we should, you know, start to store these on YouTube and we'll just film them and chuck them online. And like, we still do it now. Like we'll just be at home and be like, Oh, like, let's watch, watch that trip. Like that was fun. And you just go on YouTube, type it in and, and bring it up. And it's, um, yeah, we, we, we just kind of capture the, experiences and, and memories digitally and, and put them online and we'll be able to access them for the next however many years and show our, our kids and our friends and family and all the craziness that you know goes into to uh fishing and, and top water fishing on on the ocean and um yeah you're not going to be able to exaggerate uh any of the size of those fish but uh yeah. And and yeah. is there anything on the videos that says who who caught the fish or shared uh, <laughs> credit? <laughs> we usually yeah I mean you usually see but I mean that's that's another aspect of Haley uh, has a, a magic touch when it comes to to fishing and she always seems to catch the biggest one and 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 catch the big one and yeah she's she slays it more than I do so it's good for me I love getting out there and if if she's having fun it's happy happy wife happy life right definitely definitely um anything else i mean what what is uh do you have some like long-term uh goals that you're you're working towards um uh like personally or like with the club or uh, like either with the club or personally like career-wise yeah i mean like my dream job would, would be to be an NBA GM. Like I love what I do now. Like the best side of my job is like recruiting players, signing players, like envisioning how the team will fit together, how the team will play. Um, I enjoy the business side of, you know, making the money and finding new ways to make money. And um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to be a, an NBA GM or an NBL GM. And this is kind of the perfect job to, to cut your teeth and, and get, start at the bottom for for something like that career-wise so it's 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 really good for that um yeah other than that just yeah just keep uh keep yeah growing and improving it and yeah it's uh it's been a tough uh 12 month transition and obviously COVID-19 and coronavirus hasn't hasn't helped with that but uh, I feel really good about where we are and how we'll come out of it and yeah well uh it's only going to make us make myself and the club and, and everyone better I think everyone's you know really taking a breath and a pause and appreciates the little things that we have around in our, our family and, and where we live and enjoying the, the little pleasures of life that have uh, got lost before and uh, yeah so I, I don't think I can uh, say anything else better than that Youngie I appreciate <laughs> your time today and uh, we'll have to do it again soon Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, I definitely think we should do another one and, and we'll just flip it and I'll, uh, I'll hit you on all these because, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that uh, I think people will want to hear from your perspective as well. So Sounds good. We'll, 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 like, we'll do part two, all right? All right. Thanks, Get James. Some, uh, <laughs> all right. See ya. Yeah. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. I'd love to hear what you think of this episode as I'm always looking for ways to improve and make the show even better. 
You can leave a review at The Daily Podcast in iTunes or within Apple's podcast app. Really appreciate your feedback. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to my podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, or wherever else you tune in to listen. Talk to you next week.